And so we ask ourselves, will our actions echo across the centuries? We are so back. We are so back. Was that, uh, there, there was a bit of a hiatus just because of, uh, we all got busy, but, uh, I got deported. Yeah, you got deported. You're living in the third world now. Yep. <clears throat> I'm, I'm actually, uh, transmitting this through like a, a high frequency radio with uh with like coconuts as antennas <laughs> the funniest part about that is like this is probably the best your audio has ever sounded <laughs> which is crazy because i have worse internet which just goes to show is at&t fucking grifting me and the answer is of course yes i don't think that the at&t was your problem i think that it was like a, I think that you had like a, a walkman headset that you had hot wired a microphone in and you're using Dude, this is all cardboard the same, as the filter. This is all the same stuff. Nothing's changed except where I am. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, yeah, blame it on South fuck? Florida, man. It's South Florida. It's a, just a bottomless fucking hellhole. <laughs> it's it the pyramids. It, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you, the pyramid. It's like, you know, when you get close to like something really radioactive and you try to take photos of it and all you get is that static. Yeah, South yeah that, happens, that happens to me whenever I try to take a selfie. So hot. I've just been eating. I've just been eating since I smoked the tech. I'm just a mobile elephant's foot. God. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we 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 have a guest on here now. If you want to go ahead and tell people who you are or not, I don't care. Yeah. So I mean, I've uh, I've been on and off so social media for uh, the past few years under different monikers. I think I did was like Longleaf Wild for a while, and then. I forget what is after that and then left a bang. And now I think I have it as the tempered stoic or something along those lines. But um, I basically change out names as much as I do kit. Anyway, Classic. Anyway, uh, Army guy started off in uh, 82nd um, in like Lursty and Pathfinder and did that for a while and then moved over to Special Forces and had a blast there. Got to travel around a bunch and then. Um, had some cool opportunities to go work with some other organizations um, and and whatnot. So currently, currently finding my way out the door and uh, med retiring and trying to put myself out to greener pastures. So that's yeah, kind of, that's when, when, my thing. When, when you said uh, going out the door, I was going to be like, yeah, completely fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got hardware. I got all sorts of other, you know, souvenirs that I brought along the way. Yeah, metal detectors hate this man. Dude, I didn't even go anywhere and I have fucking hardware in my leg. Gross. Dude, I didn't even sucks. do anything. Hardware is yeah. a game changer for sure. I don't uh I don't have any hardware. I just kind of raw dog it and I was actually talking <laughs> earlier about how every time that I move, I just hear popping noises. I don't know. I'm not there yet. That's part for the course. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I just like now when I Dude, the other day I was just standing and I just turned a little too fast and all of a sudden my ankle started hurting and I'm like, dude, what the fuck just happened? The third world pain. <laughs> you got you to gotta wear the street justice sandals. <laughs> the ones made out of tire and like rubber. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like basically the Caribbean version of Jerusalem cruisers. 
Exactly. Dude, EDC here is a fucking machete. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> the, the laws here are so fucked. So, like, it's a pain in the ass to get a gun. You have to import it. So, you know, if you, if you live here, and, like, you were born here, and you want a gun, like, forget it, dude. You got to have money to go to the fucking states, buy a gun, and then come back. I didn't but, realize Florida had finally seceded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, who've lived living under a rock or, you know, don't have social media, I've moved. I fled the United States. Uh, I'm no longer allowed to return. It's That's called deportation. Under, it's, it's worse than deportation. Uh, you <laughs> know, if you, want more, if you want more information, there's this cool website called www.fbi.gov. You're going to go on the side and you're going to look up top 10 most wanted. I'm like at the bottom there. So anyways. Does it start with 10 or does it start with one? I don't know. Is it like so golf scoring? The, bottom, so. score, the better? I yeah, I, I got to know if you're like, closer to one or if you're closer to ten. That makes a I big difference. I think I'm closer to ten. Oh, you're you're a ten in my eyes. Damn. <laughs> total, total dime piece. <laughs> Nine out of now, eleven. So now I live in a tax haven, uh, filled with rich people and poor people. It's very weird, and at some point I'll get into it. I'm sure tonight. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Nice. What's uh? So you said that, like, you have to import all the guns there. Yeah. So the police, it's like super police state evil to like anyone who's American. <laughs> like whenever I tell people the process, they're like, "Oh, dude, I can never do that." And I'm like, "I mean, like, yeah, it's annoying. It's gay, whatever." But you basically have to. It's weird because there's no actual like gun restrictions. It's it's totally case by case how the police feel, but you have to go to the police, fill out some paperwork. And then, like, they have to basically – you have to give them a reason, like, why do you want a gun? So most people do competition, and that's how they get, like, handguns and shit into the country. Why do you want a gun? I don't know. I just think they're cool. They're fucking cool. <clears throat> but um, It's just three-gun competitions with, like, colonialism muskets? No, dude. Uh, so <laughs> do cowboy no, action shooting. So, so semi-automatic handguns of any kind are fucking like full full send like dudes have glocks and shit like that xds m and all the whole nine yards when it comes to fucking handguns and uh shotguns they're skeet and trap so at the very least shotguns are allowed here i have no idea what else is allowed here and i intend to fully push that envelope <laughs> i will i will i'm going to try my best to be the most armed man on the island you just got to start like importing 80 percenters. Yeah. I'm going to keister a fucking lower. <laughs> you got that, <laughs> that booth pack rifle. Dude, and it's weird because it's a British territory. So you would think it would be way more fucking cucked. But it, it, come to find out, like, no, they, the, the law is so vague that like, like if this was in some respects, it's better in a lot of American states, which is saying something. As far as I know, there's no barrel restrictions, so SBRs are like, you know, full fucking send. And I don't know what suppressor laws are here, but as soon as I find out, I'm going to figure that out. So, like, if you're going to order an upper from Geisley or something, can you get it just shipped to you? or Dude, you don't want to get anything shipped here, like, at all. Usually what people do, what everyone does is they'll have a drop shipper. Like, they'll, they'll ship it to, like, a courier in the States. So they'll have it delivered there, and then the courier puts it on a shipping container and sends it here. And then you get to do the super fun thing of going to the customs like processing area. That's what I did for my household goods. I had to stand there while they opened everything I owned. They took a tomahawk for me. 
was fucking... the, was it the Winkler one? Fuck no, I wasn't sending that shit. I, I wasn't stupid either. I knew they were gonna fucking take something. No, he took a twenty dollar sog tomahawk from me, so I didn't oh. cry. I was like, I was like, oh cool. If it was the Winkler, I might have just gone sick emote on the people there. Yeah, yeah, put that thing to use right off the bat. <laughs> I think I think I would lose my shit if somebody tried to take my Winkler hatchet. I'd be fucking livid. Well, I don't well, have I think, one, but I'd be upset if I did have one and somebody tried to well, take it. Well, so so they made a stink about the spike at the back of the tomahawk. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for the most benign-looking Winkler and just fucking, like, the, the hammer combat axes and just say, yeah, it's an axe. And then just bring it in my fucking luggage. And if they say anything, I'll be like, dude, you, you your fucking friends let me come through with all these other axes. So, and that's I mean, one of them isn't, isn't, like, the camp axe. Like, I'm sure you could get that through. Yeah. I just, you know... I, you, I wanted to be a little closer to a tomahawk than that. I have, <laughs> I have two hatchets and a fucking like snow and neely like tree felling axe here. Like I have actual shit. It's just, yeah. You know, you, if you're getting a tomahawk, you want it to kind of be a tomahawk. I dig it. I dig it. I want to add a tomahawk to my kit so badly, and I just have yet to find one that's any good. That's not like break the bank prices. RMJ or American Tomahawk Company. I've looked at both of those, and none of those really strike me as. RMJ should be able to do some like custom work if you wanted some too. I know people that have had custom knives and, and hatchets made through them. You could just fucking get a sog and just not care about it. Like a yeah, I have a hawk. I have one of the sog. Uh, I can't remember if it's the fast hawk. It's the, it's the one that's bigger, but I don't really like it. The only the only ones I really like when I look at them are the Winklers, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on one. Coward. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I just... Uh, just go to like Home Depot and get one of those like leather-handled East Wing, you know? That's one of the hatches yeah. I have here. No, so they have like different types of like roofing axes, and some of them are just obscenely like... They're just weaponized. <laughs> like if there was ever a war between contractors, the roofers would fucking kill a lot of <laughs> motherfuckers do between the... Between the little propane flamethrower things they have to like heat up the tar, and some of the axes they use, I'm like, God damn, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, also a lot of the other uh, like contractor t- archetypes are really fucking bad. Like there was one time when uh, when I worked at an old job where I went into a job site and I saw uh, one of the electricians working on a, a 480 volt cabinet, and he was sitting there and he, he was he was sitting on this little stool, and I don't know how he the stool didn't get absorbed within him because this guy was close to like 450 pounds 500 at a minimum this guy was massive absolute fucking unit and he was sitting there he was sitting in there with a cigarette in his mouth wiring up an electrical cabinet and there was probably an inch and a half of ash sticking off this cigarette and he was just going to town and uh yeah, I walked in and I looked at that and I was like, oh, that's what kind of job this is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> How many electricians I've met have just been like absolute fucking goobers? Well, I'm in the process of building the house right now. I'm not building it, but I'm paying people to build it. But I, I do agree. I think the roofers and probably the framers, if they banded together, they'd be unstoppable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if Winkler gave them all like roofing hammers and I'm gonna find a framing hammers? I'm going to find Basically, last of the Mohicans meets fucking building a house. Yeah, dude, look at look at a fucking roofing axe, dude. I'm gonna pull up a fucking picture. Just Google one up now. Pull Google roofing axe. It looks like a fucking tomahawk. Okay. I'll, I'll oh, I can't it. put fucking. 
Oh, I can't yeah, fucking I've images. These before. Yeah. This has been blocked in your island. No, 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 no. dude. I have a fucking <laughs> dude. Don't play. I have a fucking VPN on right now. I couldn't oh, pay I my. I couldn't pay the mortgage for my house because it was blocked. Like they didn't allow access outside of the U.S. So I had to. I had to go ahead and just buy a VPN. <laughs> like that forced me to. I didn't have a choice. It's like, yeah, dude. You know, if you want to pay your bills, guess what, bitch. So funny, funny story about these roofing hammers or roofing axes is that uh, behind my parents' house, there's there's a, a pretty decent sized park, and it it used to be a lot more wooded than it is now. But the wooded side was was like my parents' house, basically backed up to a big schoolyard, uh, like where I went to high school. And you could go to the fence where the wood started, and then you could walk down like just a little foot trail and get into some pretty pretty decent woods to go fuck around in. And uh, this one time, I just kind of went off trail and was just wandering around in the in the woods, and I found this little structure. And inside of it, one of these axes was sitting there. And I'm pretty sure it was like some hobo structure because there's a lot of hobos that lived in there. That was a collectible weapon. You should have just picked it up. I did. I took it. <laughs> I took it home. <laughs> I don't know what I did with it, but I took it. Thanks for the F shack, Dirty Mike and the boys. <laughs> As you strip yeah, see, their, fucking, are... their only shelter, you strip it down to nothing but planks. What, what if all right, look, dude, look at the top row, the one all the way to the right. The JC Smart Magnetic Hatchet. Look at that fucking that... thing, dude. Looks like a space tomahawk. Yeah, that thing could definitely do some third world street justice. Or the one below it. <laughs> That's the same one, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just magnetic. It's got the easy holder. <laughs> it's got a fucking holster for quick deployment. You throw a little spray paint on that, and like, dude, that's going to be the new meta. That's going to be like the new the trend. Like, tool. screw recce rifles and then whatever else the, I don't know, the cool. Show, me, show me your fucking hardware store weapon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, uh, I bought bolt cutters for like cutting locks and fences and stuff, and I just went to Ace Hardware. <laughs> bought these things they were like red bolt cutters took them outside spray painted them and now they're just like my little now they're tactical exactly now they're tactical and i'm gonna mark them up two hundred dollars well that's like the crazy thing like you know we have like all sorts of like i've used all sorts of um like breaching tools and it's literally again like you were just saying like you go to lowe's hardware or home depot and pick up a pair of bolt cutters or a sled extendable sledgehammer and now all of a sudden because you slap like atlas or whatever bougie ass brand it is now it's like two thousand dollars for a, a cheap ass sledgehammer uh that's part of like this kit that comes with a bag you're never going to use when you could have just gone down and for like 15 bucks bought like a pretty sweet sledgehammer and, and got the same job done well that's like if you've seen the pictures of uh or maybe you've even used this kind of setup, but like I'll see pictures of recon guys all the time on, on Muse, like doing breaching training and they'll have a sledgehammer on the back of one dude's carrier. And it's just like a PVC tube to hold it. And they just, yeah, just zip tied on but, there. Yeah. They just zip tied to the Molly and then they just throw the sledge in there. And that's, it, it works, that's man. the setup. I've carried like uh DeWalt power tools bungeed to my back. I mean, like it, <laughs> whatever whatever you need i mean like just go out and get it It doesn't matter what what names on it it's the, the end result that ultimately matters why breach when you can just unbolt the door from the frame <laughs> just well, like those little hinge. angle grinders are sick yeah, yeah just, cut, just cut the hinges off open it the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> you're just out oh, there no, grinding for five minutes while people are inside listening to it well it's it's funny too because uh originally 
uh, me and Gio this morning decided that we were just going to do another episode about nothing. And then, uh, and then you and I were talking earlier and, you know, you mentioned like the recce rifle things or whatever the current trend is. And then the whole power tools, uh, being marked up for special breaching tools. And we were talking earlier just about how the whole like tactical industry is just really stagnant and like, there's nothing new or interesting coming, coming forth. And, uh, you know, I, I said too, that my theory is that all the guys that went and did cool shit in combat, like got out in 2016 to 2021 and they just dumped everything that they knew to make money or, or whatever. And like everybody just kind of said everything there is to say about fighting dirt farmers that we're still going to give all of our helicopters to. Yeah. Well, I mean, gear and guns and everything aside, um, I mean, as I'm kind of like sunsetting right now, it's, it's interesting to see how you kind of transition from community to community if you will like you you go from being like in the military community and then a lot of guys just get so comfortable in that realm that like transitioning out right into like the the tactical sphere of like now being on the backside of everything like it's just such an easy transition for them uh because like honestly a lot of times they don't have anything going for them so it's kind of just like this autism that continued they make really tall risers for optics. Do. Oh God, don't yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I've spent a lot of time under night vision and like I think it's super good to be able to passive aim, but like I've never fucking used it. <laughs> yeah, I have um I've I've used like the Unity and uh and I have a couple of like the overbore mounts and I think that's about the tallest I would ever go. And uh I think that like one point nine three honestly is is just fine for most people. I don't know about like I've never really done gas mask shooting, so I don't know how different it is than. I like uh, I like my big, I like my piggyback setup. Well, I think that because um, I can't I can't remember, but like I compared my my T one on an overbore mount to my buddy's. Uh, he had a four seventeen with um, I don't know what optic it was like a night force, but I don't know what uh what mount it was on with the piggyback T one, and they're at the same height, so. You're basically running like a piggybacked optic uh, as a, like a tall optic. Yeah. So already like that's, I don't want to say it's excessive. Um, like it's tall, it's, it's still comfortable and stuff, but like the actual need for that versus like a standard 1.93 or whatever is pretty, uh, you know, you're kind of c- c- like cutting hairs at that point. So what happens I can totally, I can totally get on board with the piggybacked op- optic. I mean, like that makes sense, especially on a magnified optic. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But when you're like throwing just a T two or a, like a Sig or a Hollow Sun or whatever it is, like a what are we at? Like three point nine, <laughs> three inches, basically. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's dumb as fuck. Well, the other thing too is is I don't know, like. I, th- I think that with the with the tall mounts, it's kind of nice too because you can have your backup irons that you flip up and they're completely underneath the optic. So if your glass gets shattered or something, it's it's not like a lower one third where you're like looking through the bottom of your optic when you're looking through your irons. Because um, if your glass gets shattered or whatever and you can't see through it, um, you know, being able to completely see underneath it is nice. And that's kind of where what the well, also out of necessity, but that's kind of where like mounting optics to the carry handle was pretty useful so you're essentially just replicating that same setup without having a, a full ass carry handle so that way you can still run like 
uh, magnifiers or whatever else. I just but, trust that the ACOG will never break. Yeah, I mean that's. So it'll just be it'll just too. be a powerful host for the uh, for the red dot that's on top. It's a true <laughs> primary weapon. That's like the original <laughs> Unity mount. Yeah, but here's the thing too: is that if you're running an ACOG, you can't have that thing where you slide back and forth on your rail to change the zoom. Oh, true. I can't fucking oh, beat God. my beat my rifles, mate. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, within I, like two weeks, there was like a Chineseium version of that's out. I actually bought uh, off Amazon for 40 bucks a GBRS like knockoff mount just to like smash it with a fucking hammer. I haven't smashed it yet, but I, I, that's the plan is to like label it as GBRS and then just destroy it. Well, that's like the Shekin Gears one was like better quality aluminum than the actual one was. I think that they used 7071 instead of like 60, 65 or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not an aluminum man. I don't really know my aluminums. <laughs> it's metal. Yeah. Metal. It, it's like uh, that movie. Uh, what is it? There will be blood when he's like, "I'm an oh, oil yeah. man." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. What a boss. Man, that movie is so good. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of funny. Like the a lot of the tactical trends, and then people. You know, you were saying earlier too that like people are making solutions to problems that don't exist and acting like it's a big deal. And I think too that part of the reason why is because people are making them susceptible to like that kind of marketing. And you know, you have like uh like the whole um it's more of like a another archetype or, or like a broad thing, not necessarily the brand itself, but like the people that are super prideful about being like quote unquote dirty civilians. It's like it's just kind of a funny thing because you have you have like the like the bro vets on one end or like the cops that are like if you're not a cop you have no reason to have this stuff or you know the military guys are like if you if you you don't need this stuff because you're not in afghanistan right now and uh and then you have the people on the opposite end of the spectrum that are like haha look at me i have all this stuff and i've never been in the military like i'm so good and uh but then it's ironic because all of those people are going to end up paying money to take courses from people that were in the military. I'm not saying that like being in the military makes you better or worse or anything. It but... makes you 10 times better. Don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. I, second. I, I think that it gives you a good, a good foundation. Um, I think that, you know, if, if you're going to, you like, like any of us can go take a class from a competition shooter who's never been in, but they've spent, so many hours shooting and dry firing and practicing and getting to that point where they're just so damn good that you but can you can also tell when you like i've i've had an opportunity to shoot with like jj rakaz and ben stoker and a handful of other guys and you can always pick them out you know because like you said they've been doing it for for so many years they've done how they have millions of reps and like the way they teach it it like they truly are masters um and so I, I think that that is huge because especially like going back to the market as a whole, dude, you've got like an oversaturation of just bros that kind of half-ass their way into the industry. And as a result, everybody's got to have their shtick. So whether it be tall mounts or like doing that, like those weird, like peak corner clears into doorways. <laughs> or, like, those are my favorite. <laughs> I love the Israeli room clearing videos. Right. I They're mean, like everybody's got to have their one special thing that they can say, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Not going to make it, bro. Well, it's like a watermark almost. Like like when dudes thing. like it's watermark your... memes. It's your thing. You know, if you're like a fucking, 
I don't know. If you're like a sports team, you got a mascot. You know, for some people, it's stupid. But they're still playing the same game. Like football's football. Like yeah. You know, yeah. like, and that's that's one of the things that you and I were talking about earlier is uh, just like the beauty in the basics. Like get super friggin' good at the basics, and like it becomes this incredible framework to like do all sorts of other wazoo shit. But like by basing the situation and your options off of that that foundation that you already have, and kind of like again, like what what's the definition of a, a battle drill? Like a was it uh, collective Isn't action it like an, executed without a deli- de- deliberate decision making process or something? Yeah, like that? it's like an instinctive reaction to a thing that's been like it's all. Well, it's almost reflexive. That. Yeah, like it's just like oh, it's like if someone hit you in the knee and your fucking knee just flies out. That's basically uh, it's what a battle Yeah, it just says it's a type of standard operating procedure used in the training of infantry. Yeah, no other uh, allows for a quick collective fought. response without the need for deliberate decision making. Yeah, so I mean, like you get back to the basics and hammer those things out. Get really good at shooting. Get really good at understanding and reading situations, reading people, reading the tactical situation, being able to understand like what your options are, so that you can go through your rolodex of like, you know, when you're in that oh fuck moment, and you can like quickly flip through the right card and be like, this is what I'm doing, and I have at least a baseline to operate off of. Hit that hit that MF OODA loop. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dude, when I was when I was a young like private, I, I I spent so much time thinking that there was like some sort of super duper secret sauce that like like oh like X unit has this fucking there's a secret Ranger handbook, you know, that only these guys fucking have. And it's like the secret menu at Starbucks when everybody's like these secret menu items and then people go to Starbucks and they order them and you know, the barista on the other end who was me at one point because I used to work at Starbucks. They'll like talk about something and you're like, that's not that's not real. Like we don't have the ingredients to make that. No, what do you mean? I want a double cheeseburger animal style. I need I need the Fortnite latte. I guarantee you within like two seconds they have it pulled up on their phone and they're showing you the recipe. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have any of that stuff. Dude, where do you expect me to get wacky fucking beef, man? This is a Starbucks. Get your sweet coffee. Go the fuck home. The Wagyu beef nitro brew. Oh, God. Vomit. <laughs> Fucking raw beef in your coffee. <laughs> Just fucking... You, 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 get your, you get your energy boost and your protein at the same time. Uh, Wagyu beef with some oat milk. Yeah, it, it puts you. This it, this is the direction that the tactical industry needs to go into. Why? Is start marketing like like instead of GNC. Yeah, it's like meme GNC. GM well, meme. dude, you've had that for a while. It's just been on like that that really like retarded edge. Have you seen? There's a lot of people like there. There used to be where they're like they're dudes coasting off of their military fucking exploits or career or whatever you know whatever it's said next to their name or whatever people thought that's what we do no but 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 then they they use that and they're like yeah so the military made me bench 450 pounds (laughs) yeah dude no it didn't this navy seal taught me the secret martial art that will save you in any situation but there's like these fitness influencers that really like hem and haw about like the military like they're they're clearly like i'm a veteran and like it made me jacked, or like I'm, you know, is it, is not it, all of them are wait, like that. But it's who's just, that one guy? Hold on. There's the one dude that was in Call of Duty. I don't know anything about him. I know he lived in Florida, but uh, I'm thinking of David Goggins. 
Until you realize that, like, your average military dude will rip down a pack of cigarettes, crush two monsters, and then go out and run five miles and, like, try not to have a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how many, like, PFTs I've had to run where I'm, like, drunk off hungover, your still drunk the, the, <laughs> from the night before. And I'm like, Peak man. physical condition. It is. A, it is well, a it, it always starts with, like, oh, I'm going to, I got to do my run tomorrow. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know prepare i'll just have one drink and then it turns into like a whole thing and i remember there was uh i had to run a pft and uh and we do th- we do a three mile and the night before uh, my wife and i were doing like marriage prep stuff uh for you know before we got married so we had to have sponsors and all that stuff because we got married in the church and we had to we had like this book that we had to go over and we picked my aunt and uncle to do to be like our sponsors and so we had to schedule something cause we were getting pretty close to crunch time and we weren't done yet. So we were like, Oh shit. And they live like, like just far enough to where it's kind of inconvenient. So we just meet on like zoom and we're just all talking on zoom and we're like sitting in me and my wife are sitting in my apartment and, uh, and they're like at their house and we're just on zoom talking and I had bought some whiskey and I was just kind of casually drinking it. And then, you know, it's like any other thing where you're talking to people and then the conversation just goes on forever. Next thing I know, it's like past midnight. Most of this fifth is gone because oh. I was just sipping it throughout the time. And I like don't like to get drunk. Like I stopped drinking for the most part uh, as a whole. And uh, even before that, like I didn't I didn't like to get drunk. I really did it. If I could help it, I would not do it. And uh, and so I was like, oh, fuck, I got to I got to wake up in like a few hours and i am not good like i should have definitely thought this better thought this out better so i wake up you know get get dressed real quick do like the worst shave ever drive to base uh get there and i'm like okay i am going to try to get on like the later because they're doing two sticks and i got picked to do the early stick like right after morning formation like get to the pull-up bars like we're starting it did a horrid pft and uh and when i was done i was so thankful too because the the second stick had some people that were like watching to see how our unit administers the pft so it was like super strict (laughs) i was like oh man but yeah compare that to uh the last one i ran where i did like phenomenal and i was like man this is so much easier when i haven't been drinking in like the past month I feel like that could be applied to just about anything. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You mean I shouldn't have just pounded that fifth of fucking Jack and eaten fucking 18 cheeseburgers before this PFT? But that's, that's like the military, though, is just how unhealthy people are. Like, we, we just got back from the field, and dudes will go to the field with, like, an right. entire case of Monster in Dude. a pack. And you're like... Like I just even this morning I was thinking about it because I'm a I'm a man that enjoys coffee, and uh, and I was driving to work this morning and it was like, you know, six a.m. or whatever, and I see somebody just like drinking an an energy drink in their car and I'm like, how is that relaxing? Like, how is that a good warm up to the day? That's not like a steady start. That's like a that's like a Kool Aid man breaking through the wall. <laughs> sometimes oh, yeah. that's, what you, hey, sometimes oh, no. that's what you need, though. Sometimes you just need to tackle the day with as much fucking poison in your veins as possible. Yeah, you got to seize the carp, you know. But but yeah, back to what you're saying though. Like there's there's uh, do you remember that perfect pu- the commercials for that perfect push up thing? And yeah. it was like the yeah. the suction cups that turned, <laughs> and the guy would be like, 
I invented this after 40 years in the U.S. Look, Navy SEALs. Look, if you want the perfect push-up, you need to have a platform. And there's a spring. There's a hole right in front of your face. And there's a spring and, you know, behind the hole. And there's just a fucking big old dick there. Every time you go down, it starts a timer that you can hear. And if you don't push up, that dick goes right in your mouth. You want to get good at push-ups? That's what it's going to be. That or it's humiliation at that point. That or you're gay. So, (laughs) one, is the guy on the other side of the wall for you also from the Cayman Islands? And two, how much do you pay him? You don't pay him anything. He does it for free. Just out of the pure enjoyment of watching you get sweaty and ripped? (laughs) No! (laughs) Oh, he's gagging already. Yeah, dude. Oh, I so you're the guy on the other side of the wall. <laughs> dude, I have coins. Fuck yeah, that's, that's where it came from. <laughs> but yeah, there's there there are a lot of people like that, and and I think that the uh, it's such a funny, uh, it's like a buzzword too. Like I saw this this YouTube short, and there's this guy who is like some infantry officer that makes pretty funny videos actually on YouTube, and it was talking about like getting a motivational speaker. And uh, how like co- like regular companies will hire motivational speakers, and it's like, oh yeah, this guy was, uh, you know, he was in the army and 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 he was like in this place in Afghanistan and like all this stuff happened to him. And they're like, oh, uh, what like what kind of what unit was he in? He's like, oh, he was just regular army. And they're like, oh, that's not very cool. What's the next guy? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, he was like like a force recon marine. And they're like, oh yeah, you can just say marine. It's all the same thing. And they're like, okay, next one. And they're like going through all these people and they get to one and they're like, oh yeah, this guy uh, spent most of his career in California and did one deployment to Iraq. Uh, Not too much happened, but uh, he was in the Navy SEALs and they're like, oh, he was a Navy SEAL. We need to get that guy. (laughs) Like, why didn't you just say that? Well, I mean, okay. So it's speculation time. What's the next fad? We went from like Mark 18s to recce rifles to chest rigs, plate carriers. Now we're at ACOG, we're, we're back. 16 inch barrels. What's, what's God, next? We're in the, it's PRS. It's to me, it's always been precision <laughs> rifle shooting. Everyone's going to have their fucking like super duper sniper rifle that they're going to shoot once. And then they're going to be like, yeah, this is too hard for me to learn. And then like out of, out of a hundred percent of people, only like 5% are actually going to be kind of good at it <laughs> or actually stick through it. And everyone else is going to have a $10,000 wall hanger with a fucking night force on it so i had almost incorrect well i guess it is not almost it is straight incorrectly i don't know maybe it's still in due time and it just hasn't happened yet but i thought for sure like a year ago that the next the next fad was going to be like vehicle stuff um and not just like overlanding but like properly outfitting your vehicle i wish that'd be kind of cool and and that's kind of the thing that like it's probably not going to happen because it's pretty useful and even even the people that will like talk about uh, sustainment, survival, and all that stuff, like they just kind of parrot things so without my, fully my knowing. Question, my question is this: is like, what is there? What is the biggest capability gap? Because I've identified a few. Like in terms of like, okay, so you, you know, you and I have been doing the fucking Instagram thing for a while, the online thing. So what what would you say is the biggest part where like there's just a huge gap between can... what people are talking about and then what? I can absolutely answer that. It's your auxiliary, man, and your underground. It's it's cool oh, to be yeah. a shooter, but I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's that's a big one. That's so little of the overall picture. Um, I mean, one man, one of the best uh, pieces of advice I was ever given back when I was in SF was like, show up to the barbecue, 
uh, knowing nobody and leave invited back. And like, the truth is, is like, there's so many fucking weirdos on the internet nowadays it's that so like nobody crazy, can have a conversation. Dude. It's and, so fucking nuts. Yeah. So like nobody has a network, like nobody knows who the old lady is down the street. That'll give you a call. You know, when things get a little squirrely down in her neck of the woods and give you a heads up, like having your auxiliary and underground built out, like that is, that is exactly what people need to be doing because it doesn't cost you anything. It's a, I mean, it's a that's conversation. The big, that's the big SF thing, right? Is making relationships with people, getting them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. To a degree, right? Yeah. So uh, it's just crazy how many like goobers there are in fucking, in like this realm. Like it's and, cool to go out and LARP in the woods, but at a certain point you're going to have to like help your neighbor carrying their groceries and actually have a conversation. Well, with that's them. what I like. That's what I like with the, uh, some of the guys doing that push towards like natural disaster response and this and that the only yeah. problem. And I, I know, I know of one person who or like one in one area who's done it effectively. Um, and that's my buddy Trey uh, out in Arkansas. Shout out to Trey uh, dealing with those fucking tornadoes. Was it this year or last year? I don't know. Everything kind of makes sense. I think it was this year. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely this year because I fucking... Anyways. That that was back um, in like, what, like March, April? Yeah. He's a very, like, February, March time frame. He's yeah. a very gregarious dude, knows a lot of people, very involved with the church. And when shit went down, him and his homies fucking, you know, cleared the neighborhood of fucking debris. And people were calling him left and right to help everything out. But they already knew him. The problem that a lot of guys have, and we saw, I kind of saw this with some of the ad hoc groups being created for the hurricane that hit the Gulf Coast last year, is like, you're still just strange. You, you might have everything, but you're still just a stranger showing up. And no matter what, when people are like destitute because their house just got leveled to the ground, they're going to see these fucking strangers show up. And they're not going to know what you're, you know what your fucking angle is because a lot of people are suspicious. I mean, I would be a bunch of dudes showing up, giving me free stuff. I'd be a little suspicious. Yeah. My house got leveled down, but I mean, to what, to what degree, like, why are they doing this? Why are they taking time out of their lives to do this? And it's, yeah. it's always going to be to me, at least you're always going to see, I feel like it's better to just already be known by those people that you're helping. Like, you know, if your neighbors already know who you are, and you show up to their door, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna be weird about it. They're always gonna be, you know, neighborly, I guess. Well, yeah, I'm sure that. I think that, you know, even because uh, like recently I was working with uh, with SF guys for this exercise, and they were all like very personable dudes. And you got to think, like, you know, back to your point, uh, what you had said about the barbecue is like what they're doing. What their what their actual like purpose is as a as an entity is like to show up places and train indigenous forces to carry out objectives and like to do that you have to show up not knowing any of them having like a slight grasp on the culture and, and you know language and stuff but just being able to win over their trust and then make sure that you know they their kind of cause aligns with yours so that way they're going to be receptive to being trained and all that. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but no, I mean, you, you're absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're a force multiplier and ultimately what it like getting it down to brass tacks is it's getting people to do what you want them to do with them thinking it's their idea. Yeah. Um, and to but, do that, like you have to be like charismatic, like you have to be able to talk to people and, and know, you know, obviously like there's the, the psychological side of that and, and knowing how to essentially take advantage of somebody psychologically 
to enact these things or whatever but like at the very surface level like the core of it well that's two different things but at one of the two uh it appears to be at the surface level but it's also at the core is just being like you know a very easygoing person easy to talk to and be able to start up a conversation with somebody and not weird them out because you're perpetually online or something like yeah, that if you're fucking melvin and you show up with the homies <laughs> a fucking kitted to the teeth and like ill-fitting cries the granny down the street's gonna call the cops on you dude yeah versus like your fucking you know the chat of the neighborhood the, the the prodigal son and you show up and they're just gonna be like showering you with information and well, and then, I mean, you, you evolve that into a situation where maybe you do, or devolve it, I guess, into a situation where maybe you do have to throw on kit and grab a gun. But because you already have that, those deposits and that relationship bank with, with your neighbors and with your community, like they almost see it as an added benefit when you show up with maybe some of your bros that they also know. And you're like, hey, I know things are a little squirrely right now, but we got you, we got you guys covered. Um, yeah. And, people will be all about that versus the first time you show up and they're like, you were saying their house just got leveled by a hurricane and you're showing up in like multi-cam pants and a plate carrier. And like, what do you need? We're here to get you out. And they're like, you can just fuck off. Yeah. It's fucking, I don't know. Uh, everyone's got their fantasy, but the, I guess good and mostly bad, but I guess good thing about like the U S being so big is that at any one point you have, a disaster happening and you get to you get to kind of get those little mini case studies of how you know how is how's x organization reacting to it i mean you know look at the fires in hawaii right now and there's probably a lot of information to get off of that yeah I don't know. It, there's i think that the i think that the hardest part for a lot of people kind of including myself to some degree um or at least like <clears throat> when i moved to where i live now like when i got my house um the easiest thing to do obviously is, is start with your next door neighbors and uh, and like our next door neighbor that, that lives on the one side, like we talk to, she's outside pretty frequently. So we talk to her and, and all that. And um, the lady on the, on the other side is like a bit older, but we'll, we'll still talk to her and, and all that. But like, we don't, we don't really do too much stuff like where we have gatherings or people over or whatever so we don't really invite people to that stuff but um aside from like the people that either side of me and across the street like i really don't talk to many of my neighbors at all um and so i think that the the next best thing to do is start it, figuring out how to integrate into your community better so what i'm doing for that is uh is getting a lot more involved in my church because there's a bunch of people from my church that also live in the same town as me Based. and even this weekend uh after mass on Sunday, we're going to go and, and have like a little shooting competition. Um, the one guy's got land to shoot on. So he was like clearing it all. And, uh, and like, they're talking about plans to like, kind of do more things and do more community uh, outreach type deals for like fundraisers. Cause they're trying to build a new building. And so like, they're going to build a pavilion. Right. And so like, I'm going to volunteer to go help them build it and just do all these things to try to start integrating more. And it's funny. Cause like we need a new roof on my house and I was like, okay, like we want to get a metal roof. So that way we can just get it and not have to worry about it again. And, uh, most of the roofing companies are going to cost you like <clears throat> an arm and a leg to get shingles, let alone a metal roof. 
And so we were talking, trying to figure out like, okay, we got to, you like, do we know anybody who's, who's a roofer or whatever? Um, and I was like, well, I, I'll just ask at the shooting thing because I'm positive that one of these guys that have a lot more connections than you would think is like, oh yeah, I know this guy, like he's a good dude. And then you also know that you're supporting people who have the same values as you and everything. So I definitely well, think that that church is a good uh, a lot approach. Of people, to a lot of people, you know, are quick to forget that like churches are like the original like prep communities, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. We're like soup kitchens. Well, even I think that the only ones that really do it very good anymore are the Mormons. Um, I wouldn't like, say that. There's a couple. I mean, I, it, it it's always a case by case. It just depends who's at that church and like what their mindset is. And then I mean, like large scale. Um, like you can you can look at like uh, like the Catholic Church and and they do the most for like um, like charities and and orphanages and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as far as just like. And obviously, I think that it's a lot more exclusive, but, you know, like Mormons generally have large stockpiles of canned goods and tools. And I mean, they're known, they're known for it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like they're that's kind but, of just like a known but thing even, for them. I mean, you know, church collect, you know, church is a great place. Like you said, you're, you're around a bunch of your ideological peers to a degree. And if something if someone needs help, that's a pretty good forum. To kind of like address problems, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm on part of my uh, my church council. I'm I'm Catholic as too, or Catholic as well. <laughs> but uh, wow, that was public speaking is always awkward. But um, I mean, there, there's so many other things you can do, even if you're if let's say you don't go to church, which is very unbased. But um, <laughs> you know, like I I go to city council meetings, like town council meetings, like you go sit there for 30 minutes while they kind of go over some talking points. And then you get to meet other people that are actually like there and present and involved in your community. And then you end up spending an hour afterwards getting to, to shake hands and meet and greet people. And, and those are where like the relationships kind of start. Um, so oh, not to cut you off. No, 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 you're good. You're good. So, you know, kind of bringing it kind of back to my move. So I moved here and my wife, you know, my wife's family is like, pretty well entrenched here. They know a lot of people in this part of the island. Uh, a lot of people uh, just around the island in general, but particularly this part because, you know, they're in construction. So you end up meeting a ton of people and they're also involved in church and volunteering and all this other stuff. And long story short, you start to see how useful those connections are for like anything. I mean, like it's weird how many people forget that you even have like high level, like politicians and stuff like that, that'll just go to regular church. Cause that's just, you know, they're a local politician. And that's just a church you've always gone to. And you're now rubbing elbows with people who do make big decisions or, or like you said, going to city council meetings and stuff like that, or volunteering for certain events. Like the more you get out there, the more people you meet, the more you'll be in proximity to people that are locally pretty powerful. And as pragmatic as it is to kind of say it, like it's, it's in your benefit, you know, whoever's listening to this to kind of know some of those powerful people, because there's not always stuff you can fix with a gun and a body bag. There's stuff that sometimes can be fixed with talking to the right person. And then he talks to the right people and all of a sudden, you know, things get moving and it just boils down to, are you likable? Are you charismatic? Can you, can you maneuver the uh, social spectrum? well not be 
you know, the Melvin fucking cries. <laughs> well, that that kind of leads into the main question I have is like when you go to these city council meetings, what kind of like rifle building kit setup do you do you generally bring with you? Um, well, obviously, since I'm sitting in a chair, I'm not going to shoulder my rifle. So I'm going to need at least a six to seven inch mount for my red dot so I can hit yeah, fire. True. That's a good point. Yeah, but. Oh, I got an idea. You get something that suctions into your belly button and that's what holds the rifle to stabilize it. And then your your optic is high enough to where you just look forward and your optic is is in that perfect line this man really just this man really just wants you to shove a dildo into your belly button yeah well it helps with your your heads up situational awareness you just got to push back on it you know this dude thinks he's a fucking space bounty (laughs) hunter or something a little screen's gonna pop up in front of your eye and you're just gonna have the target computer your gun's just gonna slew to it just just have an f-35 uh helmet where like it has the the heads up display Would guns still be cool if they were, like, completely automated? No. Like, if there was no skill at all, it was just, like, a thing. It just did it. uh, Well, I think all of us would be murdered by a bunch of 12-year-olds coming off Fortnite. Yeah, no, you just have, like, some fast switch. (laughs) They're just jumping and... (laughs) Some fucking... You know, their, their eyes are the most powerful muscle in their body. And all they have to do is just look at you, and immediately the gun just traverses and fires just Perfect just wally round. people with automated guns on their amigos. Uh, but my LPVO. We're so, We're so lame. That's the yeah. scariest thing in the future is when you start getting when you start getting uh, human decision making out of like fucking killing people and shit. It's just terrifying. <laughs> well, it sounds so. I don't know. I, we're I just think taking that, mundane things and making them like totally lethal. Like what we're seeing in Ukraine with all the little quadcopters. I mean, that's something you buy off the shelf and all of a sudden it's, you know, this super lethal tool that you can use. Um, and obviously it's been used pre like prior to that. So like they're not pioneering it, but still, they're refining like, it. Yeah. I mean, like what's the new, next thing that you go to like now. target and pull off the shelf and all of a sudden you're just like laying mm-hmm. waste to people with like, you know, throw pillows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like you, the the main reason, as far as I understand it, why the Marine Corps is getting rid of tanks or got rid of tanks is because of the, uh, like Armenia, Azerbaijan conflict with all the drones and how quickly they were able to fuck up tanks. Um, but you have like such an interesting warfare that's going on right now, uh, between Russia and Ukraine and like something else too, that I think that is going to be, Maybe not necessarily a trend, but people are going to start talking about it and either like, I, I, I hope that people are smart enough to shut them down. Those is, is just like trenches and trench warfare, because that's not normal. And like, even the U S is, is the, the, the entire way that the U S approaches war fighting is to not get engaged into trench warfare. And I think what's going to be interesting is just the timeliness of, uh, this is kind of my other idea where I would like to see the community moving forward. It's like, you've got a lot of dudes that fixate on like the platoon and down level maneuver. And it's mm-hmm. important. It's obviously clearly important. That's the, that's the edge of your fucking, that's your cutting edge right there. That's what does the work. But there's really a huge gaping hole when it comes to, okay, cool. What do you do when you have fucking like, when you have two battalions or three battalions under you, is it relevant to anyone right now? Probably not, but is it still kind of, 
But you still have to be able to coordinate with adjacent units. I mean, exactly. And there's, mm -hmm. there's problems that start showing up when you start getting to company battalion, you know, even brigade level, like command and maneuver that you really won't see on the micro level. And I just, I mean, for one, I forget what, I don't know if it was a publication or me just listening to some, you know, old man ramble up on YouTube, but I think it's like the smallest unit you can feasibly do what are called like maneuver, you know, the textbook maneuvers, you know, like your envelopments or your, your penetrations, your infiltrations, your frontal assaults, flanks, whatever. I think they said like it was battalion or like company. It was something like that. So like you need to start thinking on that scale. Can you, could you do a penetration with a squad? I guess you could. It's just such a hard thing to kind of demonstrate. You're going to do it, but you're not going to hold anything. You don't have the ability to hold exactly, it. and that's kind of that's kind of the that's like a gaping knowledge hole. My, you know, there's there's some guys that I, I talked to. That. I, I think you just wanted to say gaping hole and I penetration. I want to say gaping hole penetration. It's crazy. The, the sexualized language of fucking large scale combat. The infantry. <laughs> <laughs> I you know there's some guys that I, I talked to. Um, that you know their their whole modus operandi is is more so just to kind of like secure themselves uh just to be that like a truly a mutual what is it mutual aid group or mutual assistance group or whatever people call it the mag um yeah and i, I think that that's good to a certain point but the i think the one thing that kind of sets these guys apart is like they are tied into their community and you know, that puts them in a position where like, if they ever did need to coordinate with adjacent units, if the, the situation ever arose, then like they, they kind of already have those networks and that, again, that auxiliary built out where they can start opening up lines of communication. And I, I just see a lot of these, these groups. I think it's super cool for dudes to get together. I mean, guys need to support other guys for sure. Uh, but we need to be reaching out beyond just having this like cool guy shooting group um, and, and really get tied in with like the communities around us. I see the potential if, you know, the, the, the most unlikely of events happen and the fucking, you know, the, the collapse of the government or whatever without rule of law. I see most of these groups, even, you know, groups that Tyler and I are friends with, I could see them easily quickly devolve into just the worst fucking sort of bad guys, raiders that, that um, you know, that you kind of read about. That almost like deserves like the whole, I mean, that, that gets back into the whole morality. Um, and yeah, I, I wanted to bring that part up too. Well, that's why you kind of, it, it's fucked up because you have like what we perceive to be the warrior mindset, warrior culture. And it's very much like alpha male, like uh, where we're going, we're going to cater to our tribe or in group or whatever. And it's like, yeah, cool. Your tribe is all just like your homies. And I'm not saying you need to go soft or anything, but if you want to actually administrate and like retain whatever, whatever like good parts of civilization are left, you can't just do that with a bunch of fucking dudes scalping everything as like, as sexy as that might sound to some dudes. Like you there kind has to be need a level that. of reconciliation. Well, not only do you need that level of reconciliation, but you also kind of need people to be exposed to the general populace like you can't it can't be an us versus them thing where it's like it's you know this is my mutual assistance group and then everyone else can get fucked and it's like cool that's this is like an old lady that's like some old lady that spent her entire life like working in a soup kitchen and because she's outside of the mag she's completely like 
excluded. Now, I'm not saying like put yourself at risk and like undue risk for for nothing or like you know just try and bend over backwards helping people who are indifferent or whatever. But at the same time, I think exposure to the community. I wouldn't say it softens your heart, although that is what it does. But I think it kind of like allows you to be more. What's it's hard to put into words. It basically, if you ever were kind of, if you ever became the mayor, you're a lot more apt to administrate it than it's just like, oh, I'm just going to help my fucking homies. And like, it's just, you know, my tribe, everyone else can get fucked. And it's well, kind of, like you said, I think reconciliation. That, I think that that mentality too is, is sort of, you know, it's, it's probably like a subconscious thing, but it's, it's kind of a defense mechanism for people that aren't personable or uh, like able to talk to people and, and discern whether people are good or bad or, or know kind of when they talk to somebody be able to, to properly read these people. I think that that's, I think it's just a defense mechanism for that because if you are taking the stance of I'm going to like, this is what I have. These are the people I know. And generally these people are all going to meet through mutual things that they already know, whether it's like online groups or, you know, guys that they used to work with that they were able to like basically they had, they were forced to have to talk to and they found out like, Oh, these guys are pretty cool and stuff. So they have like their core thing that they already know. And they know like, okay, these people I can are the most that I can trust and anybody else I'm going to completely shut out because I don't know how to talk to people and read people and, and integrate them and see how it works and, and like do the whole, the whole thing of actually growing. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, there's a book called Tribe um, written by Sebastian Younger. I don't know if you, either of you guys read I that. I still have not read it. It's on the list. I still I'm familiar it. with the name, but I don't know how to read. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It, it's probably on Audible, so you can listen to it. Uh, but, I have hearing problems. I'm, hey, hooked okay. on phonics I'll, is pretty inexpensive, too. I'll, telepath, I'll telepathically send it to you. Okay, perfect. Other. But one of the things he kind of like addresses in there, this kind of ties into what you're saying, is that you get a bunch of dudes that kind of create their war band, if you will. But at a certain point, you got to like assimilate back into society. Uh, and we've kind of created this culture, both in the military and in just modern society, but also in these kind of like these mutual aid, mutual assistant groups, like these these groups of guys getting together, which I think is great. But there's no plan for transitioning from X to Y. I mean, if you just look at like the different phases of unconventional warfare, like the, the transition phase is what is like the last one and that's that's like the the hardest and the most dangerous phase of unconventional warfare because you're having to take that militant element and bring them back in society and they have to give up a certain level of control and they have to like be willing to go from being like those scalping guys to back to like normal civilians and willing to work under whatever world that's been created as a result of whatever situation you'll read about it in history i mean and even in american history uh what happened to a lot of confederate soldiers after the end of the civil war they became outlaws absolutely they're they're literally the cowboy outlaws you read about that a lot of them have that like okay well you know our side lost and for whatever reason our area didn't reintegrate us into society we were you know cast aside or whatever fuck it fuck these people so you know now we're gonna roam the frontier, the, that that hinterland that we're going to rob people or we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And they never, you know, there was never that reconciliation or that reintegration back into society. And, you know, it's 
it's really not talked about. I've never seen anyone kind of talk about how do you pacify, how do you pacify the Mongol horde when you need it to be pacified? Well, well I think it, the whole difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution is like the, going back to it, like reconciliation at the end of it. Uh, there was no reconciliation at the end of the, the French Revolution. And as a result, they just killed everybody. Yeah. Um, and they kind of just floundered ever since, honestly. Um, if you look at, you know, the American Revolution, there was reconciliation. I mean, what about all the people that supported the crown? And, you know, afterwards, they, they stuck around and then they're, they're reconciled with their neighbors. And I mean... They got forgiven or amnesty or whatever. And then that the other thing too, that I think a lot of guys, and this is, I I bring this up all the time. I'm not a, I'm not a huge expert or anything, but when I always do like to see the big difference in culture between like Eastern and Western ways of thinking. And I think one of the biggest drawbacks that Western thinking has, I think it's better overall, but the big problem is it's very hard to convince someone in the West that their, their task is going to outlive them. Like you have to be playing on like a decade or century level plan. And I think a lot of guys don't like to hear that, even though history reflects that a lot of reconciliation doesn't fucking happen overnight. These people yeah. are killing each other yesterday. You're not going to convince them today that they're homies. Like it, some people it might happen, but a lot of them are going to hold those resentments real deep and it's going to take a very long time. I mean, you said after the American Revolution and yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the Tories reintegrated and you had you didn't have like skirmishes going on in new england or anything like that but i mean the war of 1812 with the british and the fucking natives happened a few decades later and like it wasn't until after that that you really had that like kind of lasting peace between ultimately britain and the u.s you look at you know that's 30 40 years and a lot of guys can't wrap their heads around like timelines like that, but people are people. You got to kind of, it's kind of fucked up, but you just kind of got to let people just kind of settle into that new mindset of like peace or whatever. And it, it's something, I, I, I don't know, no one talks about it because everyone's so fixed. Everyone's so fixated on the fight that everyone's fixated on what comes after. But, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that that's the, the thing that, you know, whether I doubt that it is going to be pushed because the other thing I've noticed too is, is just in the stuff that, like I've posted around in the past and what I've seen other people post is when you start posting like here's a gear layout or here's like a gun setup where you start talking about just like simple things, it generally gets a lot of traction. And then as soon as you start bringing up ideas on, you know, morality or convictions or, uh, you know, your deeper level thinking, it generally doesn't get as much uh, engagement because most of the people don't care about that stuff. And you know, the people that do care about it are going to be way better off and, and they're going to be way more into it. But um, even like a lot of people that are uh, like presenting as well read, like they read a lot of, you know, war books and stuff like that, that are basically just more battle doctrine and stuff like that, which is important. Right. But but you need to have the the sort of like meta side of things and, and what comes after the fight, um, how are you going to rebuild things? Because that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to have to occur. And I think that that's another thing too, that when people are talking about, you know, in their groups uh, not being very exclusive on who they let in and they have people of all these different views and, and stuff like that, like that's cool. But then as soon as everything's done and you're going to, you know, 
try to wipe your hands of what just happened and, and turn to the next thing and think like, okay, now what? That's when that conflicts are going to really arise. That's when those conflicts are going to arise. Well, so, I think you bring up a good point. Like what comes next, you know? And if you don't have a plan, if you don't have, you know, like everybody wants to pose pro- like problem sets and bring up you know, issues and everything, but never, nobody ever wants to bring up solutions. You know, it's like, I'm angry. I want to fight you on it. And it's like, all right, well, what, what are you proposing then? And so going back to what you said with like, what comes next? Well, what are you going to fight over if you have nothing to provide to the situation afterwards? You're just going to fight to, to destroy. And then, then what? I mean, even just to fight as, as macabre as it sounds, and it's kind of a reality check for dudes that have more like martial minded organizations, you're going to lose guys and you're going to have to think about recruitment at some point. What, Mm -hmm. what, what vision do you offer? Why, why should people fight for your cause? Like they have to, there has to be some sort of future involved, especially when it starts getting into more like moral or like lofty ideals. Like, like I could, it's going to be really hard to compel someone to fight for fucking like capitalism versus Wait. like, you know, uh, these are all the fucking, I, I will rebuild your fucking well. I will you want to hear what nobody will ever talk town. about though? What? Hey, what happens when a conflict goes on for six to 12 to 18 months and 24 months and there's no pay? What about the people that have families and kids? Thank you. Someone's brought it up. Thank you. Because I feel like I'm the only fucking person that ever (laughs) brings it up. So many dudes. So I'm, I have 100%. That's been like my fucking pet thing is like at some point people need money. You see it in every conflict. There's no, there's no conflict in human history where people weren't getting paid some sort of stipend to continue the war and i'm not even talking about for supplies i'm talking about your men your men have families they have lives they have dreams aspirations and if you if you don't address those with at least some sort of like pittance and like supplies or money or whatever the fuck they're not going to fight for you do you have the means to protect their families while they're gone if they get killed, do you have a means to to pay their families and provide for oh, their families fuck, in order to like you're incentivize dude, new people? Dude, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, how do, how do you privatize the SGLI? I agree. <laughs> Donations, do convince, churches, churches. Honestly, how do I convince the insurance company and to, that's, uh, to switch sides to me? That's just an even bigger reason why that community side is important because if you have that extended community, so you, so you have your your core. You know, to you, your core group of, of guys that are going to be the, the kinetic force, um, all the people that are, are going to back you are going to help with those things, those those contingencies for your family where, hey, I took one of the fucking headlights um, doing whatever. What comes now, my yeah, now it's a lot easier for 100 people to donate, you know, 10 or 20 bucks a month because they know that you were doing right things or whatever, you know, not even that much, but you know, at least something to, to just keep them, keep the them The problem that I think a lot of guys have is they try to look at the world through a mirror instead of through a window. And they, they want, they see their, they see themselves and everyone else. And the problem is, is it's just not true and it's not realistic. Like you have to, you know, when you're working for recruitment, you have to, and I've never been a recruiter, but I mean, this is just kind of like how it looks to be. You have to cater to each and every person's like background and their schema and their way of thinking. And if you're not catering to that and you're just trying to recruit people that are exactly like you, it's going to be a lot fucking tougher. And yeah. 
you're just yeah. your 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 organization is going to squander. I mean, look at what the military is doing now. They're really going woke, and you know they're looking at a mirror. They're looking at the fucking high level mirror where you've got all these, you know, the brass is towing the line, but you've got your lower enlisted that couldn't give a fuck less about like whatever new policy or whatever has come down the drain, and they have to sit in a three hour briefing for. And, well, and that's even like regionally too. I mean, you want to talk about coordinating with adjacent elements. I mean, is everybody going to be on the same page, you know, and are you willing to capitulate to some, some, somebody else potentially because, you know, they're working towards a greater good, you know, do they have networks in place or are you going to support each other? I mean, there, there's so many other things that never get addressed um, beyond just getting out on the flat range. Um, and again, it goes back to what you were saying earlier uh, with, um, you know, basically like what, what comes next? Like, what are we even doing this for? You have to have, it's weird because you have to work backwards. You have to have your idea, your goal, your, your whatever fucking, uh, probably not utopia, your end state, but your end state, you have to see that solution or you have to see that, that fine finality and you have to kind of work. It has to justify what you're doing in a fucked up way. The ends justify the means. Yeah, it's it's, it's like backwards planning on a very large scale. Yeah, because otherwise it's like, no, we're going to fight these guys because they're bad. And it's like, okay, well, what if you win? What are you going to do then? Yep. Like, well, there's well, even that's a way too. harder question, dude. I mean, look at it this way. Throughout most of when you tell the average person or when the average person goes to school and they learn about the American Revolution, they're not learning about the fights in the war. They're learning about the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation. They're learning about that. Which just goes to show, like, it's just as as fucked up as the school system is at the same time. That's no small feat. Like, those are pretty important. Those are extremely important documents because they took so much effort and they had to be really, like, qualified. And it took fucking, you know, tons of dudes just to get one fucking paper written. But they also, I mean, that, that goes into the, the underground, you know, being able to find people and politicians and, and local law enforcement and, and all these people that, that think generally along the same lines that you do and are willing to work towards that same goal. Because at the end of the day, if we look at it from the militant side of things, you're not going to be in charge after the fact. There's going to be politicians no. and other people that step up and kind of take those lead roles as you transition out there's of also, conflict. There's also that horrible little blemish in history. No one ever, everyone seems to skip over that a lot of those groups sometimes get disbanded by force. Yes. Um, you know, you're, you're, you might have the fucking, like, you might have the biggest dick militia and you fucking were instrumental in winning the campaign. But if you don't set those guns down when the war is over and toe the line to your side's political, like, leadership, you might find yourself at the, at the mercy of all the other fucking adjacent units that you're working alongside with a few months prior and it's happened quite a bit in history dudes just don't think about it like there has to be a time when you you know like we said earlier reintegration Uh, i I think the other part of that too is is like the the humility to know where your kind of region ends like if you're somebody who is is focusing a hundred percent of your time like studying and reading and, and all that stuff on just doctrines and war fighting and, and all that stuff um <clears throat> which i have other opinions on that too in terms of how effective is that really um 
I think I think at the end of the day, like you're kind of, you know, limiting yourself worse than, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> if if you know what your sort of limits are, and you know where when you can step back and be like, okay, this isn't something I know about. Um, if you have zero knowledge of that stuff, the people that are going to come in and say, okay, you know, this is where I shine. Like I can take it from here. I don't know the fighting side, but I know the the politics game, and I know like all this stuff. You're not going to know if what they're going for is, is real or if they're just a grifter or whatever. Um, And like the other thing too, with, you know, what I was kind of saying, like the people that only are studying war fighting doctrine or field craft or, or all that stuff, like, yeah, that stuff is very important. Don't get me wrong. Like, don't, don't take this as a thing. Like don't study it. But how often are you really able to go out for two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time, a month at a time and test this stuff. And, you know, like, uh, like, you and I were talking about this earlier where, where people will read for stuff for, for months at a time, go do a weekend FTX and then come back and be like, okay, here are all my lessons learned period. That's the end of the, that's the end of the paper. Like I'm done with this. I can move on to the next thing. And, you know, going back to that brilliance and the basics, like, yeah, every single time that you do an exercise, there's going to be lessons learned to some degree, right? And it could just be like, hey, I should just pre-stage my breakfast, you know, the night before so I can I can get up faster and, and you know, be ready to go sooner. Like, it could be small things like that. I should or it could have had be, that last beer. That yeah, I, should, I, should have, I shouldn't have poured those last six glasses of whiskey before <laughs> my PFT. Um You know, there, there's, there's such a spectrum of, like, lessons learned and, or you can have, like safety issues that arise and you're like okay shit this is how we're going to mitigate that um but you know most guys aren't able to dedicate the time that it really takes to get good at that stuff like you know you think about in the military like like i was just able to go for for two weeks and do you know my job and how often are you able to take what you're trying to do with your group of guys or whatever and just go live in the field and go execute patrols and execute objectives and, and do all this stuff for, for even two weeks at a time. It's like so you, you it's, can't, it's difficult. Everyone has lives. Yeah. Everyone has their own motivation. I mean, this is why. And even in your group, if you are the guy that can afford to do that, like you don't, you know, your work is lax or you're self-employed or, or whatever. And you can be like, Oh yeah, I could take two weeks off. Is your entire group able to do that? If you have five guys, so, like, and then, and then, you know, like you said, to, to really start executing like pretty, pretty intense stuff, you need more than a platoon level. Even if you have a platoon level of 40 guys, mm-hmm. are all 40 of those guys able to take off for even two weeks to go execute these sort of exercises on I've, a large scale? My proposition for a solution for that is extremely difficult, but it's the only way that I personally can see it working. I mean, what is the one thing the military does? to you that you can expect with at least some degree of surety. It pays you. It pays you. It fucking pays you. You need to dudes want to do this stuff. How I see it. They want to be pros at fucking small unit tactics or CQB or whatever. And and the only way it's in the name, the only way to be a professional at something is to do it to the point to where you get paid for it. And I'm not telling dudes, you need to go join the SWAT team or you need to go enlist, but there's that interesting nut to crack for mutual assistance groups 
where if you can figure out how to monetize your mutual assistance group and make training part of your job, you are going to be leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else who's doing it on a biannual basis, dude. I mean, like, well, the, the place to find that money then is kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier with people working the, the natural, oh, yeah. that and the natural disasters. I mean, like, yeah. You, you have a justification to go do work and get those sponsors and get funding and then oh, yeah. build up those funds to be able to go do training so you can pay dudes. Mm-hmm. So you have to have your, your, that that's a proving ground too, that, you know, it, it takes a lot of, you know, the group of 10 dudes that goes travels across the state to go help rebuild shit after a hurricane. I mean, if you really pay attention to all that it takes and you keep really good records of the moment everyone sends the call out to the moment everyone assembles to the moment everyone departs and then arrives at their location and any hiccups along the way, I mean, it wouldn't even differ that drastically from let from a you know from a made up scenario where let's say we had to go pick someone up from that disaster area because they got kidnapped by a fucking gang or something, you know, make up whatever situation you want. Yeah. But I mean, the response time is all kind of going to be the same or it's very similar and you're going to have the same issues. It's kind of, I don't know. It's very just intriguing. Something else that else. I kind of thought of when you're talking about that is a way to integrate training. If you have like a really localized group, like even, even if you just have a fire team of, of guys, <laughs> like four dudes that are all pretty close um, is, and this would obviously have to be something too, where like it's it's really only applicable to guys that don't have families or like any any sort of responsibilities that they can't go without doing for for a little bit. But if you have your normal job and you work normal, you know, nine to five or whatever you work, um, essentially acting as sort of doing like a two week long insurgent type training where you go to work from nine to five. As soon as, as soon as you get out of work, you go link up in the field, do some sort of actions. And even if you just retreat for the night to shower, or you have like a gym membership to a 24 hour gym to where you can like drop, like leave your kit in your vehicle, shower, you know, sleep out, do whatever, do like overnight observation of things, all that, and then show up to work the next day and and go back to work. Like you'd have to integrate it into your schedule while still going to work. And a lot of guys too, like they're their entire thing is like, Oh, I'm going to go out into the woods and, and that's where I train. And yeah, like me too. Like I'm, I'm getting ready to do, um, an event soon. And like the first thing I'm doing is I'm going to one of the nearest spots to me and a handful of other guys that's like fairly heavily wooded so we can get out there with privacy and, and work on some things. So, you know, there's that, but, um, you know, that would also help you start doing like urban warfare type stuff as well. Just simply like, navigating without service or uh you know exploring abandoned buildings and and figuring out how to procure resources and and set up hide sites and observation and you know all this other stuff like you'd have to really dive into you're also going to be under the real stressor of i need to make appearances i can't just fall off the face of the earth around all these other people and that's like i mean that's the the threshold of violence or just a threshold of conflict or suspicion like that is that threshold and maintaining yourself below the like oh you're a bug that i have to i have to squash right now maintaining yourself below that threshold or your group below that threshold is so incredibly key 
early on in any sort of conflict or in any sort of scenario where like, hey, we are starting to mobilize or become more active or anything like that. And so like, like you said, you can't just disappear. Well, it also makes your, if you look at things that way, it also makes your training not just like a check in the box. Like if you say, oh, we train once a month to make sure that we're prepared. Um, if you look at your training as just a check in the box, hey, as long as we get together one, once a month, we're good. Um, you're going to start slipping. Like I've, cause that's kind of the rate that when I first started doing this stuff back in like 2018, 2019, that's how it was. Cause, um, you know, I, I had my friends and, and we could essentially link up every month. Uh, we'd pick one week in a month and, and, and go do that. And there was always going to be those times where we had like a really, you know, unproductive weekend where, you know, we had a, a rough weeks at work or whatever. We just want to hang out and, and bullshit and shoot and, and do whatever and not really like push ourselves. And, and then, you know, you get that mindset of like, oh, I could just do it next month. Um, I think that that's a huge thing, especially now. I think that one of the biggest problems with, with social media stuff is, is that a lot of guys are very focused on getting pictures out there as well. Um, you know, partially could be like a propaganda thing which does have its its benefits. But then I think a lot of it too is is just guys just want to make it seem like they're doing something. And it's like, you don't know what was going on the 12 hours before and after that picture was taken. And if you're treating your training like a check in the box versus um, some sort of real like goal-driven thing, like you're, you're, you're really just wasting your time and money. I think that to, to that point, like... There, there's so many things you can do to fill the gap too. If you want to talk about gaps in training, like or time frames and whatnot, you know, doing route planning, you know, planning a route out on a paper map uh, to get to work, um, and that that's not your typical way to get there, and, and and do that kind of stuff, and kind of start filling those other gaps that nobody ever wants to talk about, you know, because it's not it's not cool. It's not battle drill one alpha or, or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out along your route where you can procure, procure water. I mean, do you have the means to actually procure it? Like test your systems out. Like there's so many other things you can be training on in the meantime that, that start building out those auxiliary capabilities as well though. Well, another thing too is just being realistic with how much time it takes to really, really, really understand something. Like I think that, uh, what, what's the, the saying that you need to do something for 10,000 hours to become like an expert or a master in it? I mean, even for you, like how many, how many hours or days or, or months even of just straight time would you say that you've spent in like a shoot house? Painful amounts. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. So I mean, you, you do it to the point take, where you, like, taking like a weekend CQB course, isn't going to fucking make you an expert. <laughs> No, but I mean, there's, there's guys out there. I mean, that's one of the things that, um, oh my gosh, why am I blinking? T-Rex arms, Lucas, Lucas, um, yeah. he's talked about in the past, you know, he'll go take a course and then for the next six, eight, 12 months, he'll just rep out and practice those concepts. And I, I think that that's one of those things where you just have to be willing to put in the work. Um, people want the easy button nowadays. It's you, you buy a, a better rail or a better optic or a, the newest, Gucci AR and or plate carrier and that's gonna that's it's, gonna make you better. It's astounding how as time has progressed, I've given way less of a shit about like the minutia of stuff 
it's all just become like, what can I fix in myself? And what can I fix in like, I wouldn't even say my mindset, but like my knowledge base. And, and like the, the stuff is just the means to an end. Like dudes get, dudes fetishize, you know, a rail from this dude or a stock from this company or whatever. And it's like, dude, it doesn't fucking matter. Like it's inconsequential yeah. to like what you're trying to do. Like just understand that it's just the means to an end. Well, that's one that, of the things I appreciate about appreciate about your page. You've got that Dale Defense Riz two front sight, you know, block rail that you like. You go way back in your photos, and it's dude, the same fuck, gun. It's the same gun. I don't. I don't see <laughs> the moment that gun breaks. I'm gonna fucking. I'll probably shed a tear, but it'll just be like, all right, cool, man. What can I fix and just keep this thing going? I'm all for having multiple ARs, but I mean, like at the same time, it's like, dude, it's all. You're you're just. You're just changing fucking Barbie's dress and her hairstyle, dude. Like, don't. A lot of dudes get it twisted. Like, and that brings us like full circle back into the whole gear industry and like why fix what's not broken, man. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy how you see how we're not really in the. Look at all gear designs, and trust me, I'm friends with gear makers and stuff like that. I've gotten sent stuff and uh, from like fledgling gear makers and stuff like that. But it's crazy how there really is nothing new under the sun. I mean, like, like it's all just updating designs with better materials or like better stitching or just kind of filling a hole that was left because that design was only limited production for like a, a specific unit or only made for like, you know, look at, um, you know, I, I love the Spiritus um, split chest rig and it's cool, but to say that it isn't just an upgraded modernized Eagle H harness, like the front. I mean, that's just what it is. If you really want to do it on a budget, that's about most of what it is. It's, it's not anything super new under the sun. Yeah. There's changes here and there, but the concept's the same split front chest rig. You can go find the tactical tailor version of it on eBay for like 20 to 50 bucks. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not disparaging the Spiritus product on a on quite opposite. I think it's great that they recognize that this design had, that like longevity and it needed to be brought into, you know, the 2020s like materials and design spectrum. But I mean, it's, it's ultimately, it's an LBV 88 on steroids. I I think another piece with that too is just, you know, and like, it's kind of ironic. I'm saying this because I just, uh, I, I, well, I had a need, but I just had like my whole carrier setup that is fantastic. Works great. All that stuff. And, uh, yeah, well, you're a horrible example because you just change shit because <laughs> you're, you're fucking, you got an itch in your ass and you're like, you know what, man, this would be a little easier if the play. Yeah, I, I like sure. to tinker with things, but but I, you're also providing everybody with a whole lot of like end user feedback kind of stuff though that like most guys can't afford to swap out their kit as much, and so like you're saying like, hey, I've used this and I like this and I don't like that, so that's a little bit different. Damn, I just saw what the I just saw what this room was called. <laughs> like I, I just opened my phone first i hate to interrupt but i just opened my room and it's fucking it's really called sphincter musketeer, musketeer. <laughs> yeah so i was oh, let, let, me, let me finish my point real quick and, and then i'll get into why i called it that um basically i think that when companies come out with new stuff uh people want the new things and i think that you know one thing that that spirit <laughs> that, um like i i think that their gear is fantastic and, and that a lot of their designs are made with you know intelligence i think and, uh, and you know the, the guys that really help make the gear and design it and stuff like know what they're doing 
Um, but I think that like with the 34 alpha, right? Like nobody really was talking about split rigs. It was kind of like a niche thing. Um, guys that would spend a lot of time crawling and in, in, on their bellies or doing whatever, uh, doing like specific things that would require the ability to just open it up. Even guys that are in like super hot or wet environments or whatever, being able to open it up and vent. And like, I've used the, the old, like, uh, or older first spear split rigs and stuff too. Like, I don't really, I'm kind of like whatever about split rigs. Like I don't, I don't need it. And I kind of like having stuff like right in my front, but anyway, um, I think that a lot of these products come out and then people like make reasons why they need it. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I've been looking for this forever. Like this fixes all these problems. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't really think about these problems before. Cause you didn't really have these problems before. Like guys will get uh, split rigs and be like, Oh yeah. So I can go prone longer. And then they'll spend all their time just like hiking or, or doing whatever. It's like, well, you're not really going prone. But anyway, me going prone all the time in the direct action multi-story raid yeah exactly um no the the sphincter musketeer so my grandma um had this why do we have to immediately go there i do not like where this is going it's a couple levels removed i'm I'm working my way to it yeah she had her way down to it yeah. yeah exactly she had this term that was like it's it's like I don't know if it was a Flemish term or like a Belgian Dutch term or something, but uh, it was a term for like a really small poop called a nubica. <laughs> and I've been try- yeah, and um, and I've been trying to find what the like actual spelling is of it, and so I'm trying to find like all these okay. like just slang terms for for like little shit, and I'm like going through and I'm trying to figure it out. And I find this Wikipedia article because like Flemish is pretty similar to like Dutch. So I find this like Wikipedia article. It's like a whole thing on Dutch profanity. I'm like, yeah, it might be in there. So I go to it and I go down to, to the subsection. That's like uh like uh like human body functions and like sexuality and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, this is probably be the best place to look. I start going through and they had all these different terms for gays. And one of them was Sphincter Musketeer, and I lost it. Oh my god! Another one. Another one was Anus Night. God, I'm naming naming my new terror group fucking Sphincter Musketeers. All for one and one for all. I hope. I hope. I hope these fucking nerds at the Hague, when they fucking try me for every law under the sun, and they have to mention the fucking group by name they're like yeah let's go the sphincter musketeers <laughs> fucking level the city block with a nuclear bomb I'm like holy shit dude they're what, called, what? uh the the actual like dutch term was fucking hilarious for it too but it's not something that i could just drop in uh in like casual conversation it's uh like kringspear musketeer like <laughs> hold on let me I think I can send pictures God, of this. Sphincter uh... Musketeer. Jesus Christ, man. What a phrase. I'm glad I have the backstory, though. Yeah, see, as soon as I started the Sphincter Musketeer story with... <laughs> oh, yeah, my grandma. You guys were like, whoa. Whoa. Let's whoa. This dude's fucking his grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Y'all it was need a... Jesus. <laughs> it was... <laughs> 
I thought that was somebody else, dude. I thought I was I like, know, the right? fourth I'm person. Like, God damn, the fucking FBI listening in just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> that was the breaking point. There it was. You know, Everything it could else. be. You know, at some point, the, the, besides the podcast being fucking, like, you know, recorded right now, there is always, and then being publicized, there's always a distinct possibility of some sort of government agency listening in, especially now because it's international. Just imagine some <laughs> Interpol, some fucking little, like, little Swedish nerd just sitting there listening to this, just being radicalized. Just He's like, oh, I'm very familiar with the, uh, with the string, the musketeer. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are, Obi. Oh, that was his nickname in college. <laughs> oh, wunderbar. Well, it's like the... Uh... Have you ever seen that thing? I think it was like a 4chan post where the guy was saying that uh, that for the the like different agents that have to monitor all these different online forms and boards and, and stuff like that, uh, they have to go through like these um, like basically classes that will make them not extreme, like kind of de-extreme them. I don't know what the right term would be. Pacify. De-radicalize, I guess. Yeah. Because normal I mean, there's, there's certain like there's certain things where you read it and you're like this is this is wacky like this is not real and then there's other things that you read and you're like this might have a point and then <laughs> as soon as you start digging into that you're like oh shit yep that's that's what it is but you know so i think that there's a lot of stuff that's pretty self-evident and if it can't stand on its own it's like okay well this obviously isn't real like uh like even i was one time years ago at, at this job I worked, I was bored for a while, had nothing to do. So I tried to spend the day convincing myself of like good arguments on like flat earth. And I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And uh, I'd say that I'm pretty open to like some weird, weird stuff. Like uh, as soon as I started reading about the whole Antarctica thing and like inner earth and pyramids and all that, I was like, yep, this is it. This is cool. And I was, uh, I was all about it. But, uh, all it took, all it took, was one of those. You didn't have to cut me off. <laughs> yes, and that was it. Done. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, it's. I'm like a little kid watching like, uh, like Coco Melon, right? Like you get all these crazy lights and things flashing, and I just forget who I am. And I'm just sitting there staring at it, and I'm oh, like, no. Yeah. oh no, they've replaced. Just, just getting brainwashed. Yeah, they've it's replaced like... the. It, they've replaced the plot of Coco Melon with. Uh, Third century fucking Genghis Khan propaganda. <laughs> the next conspiracy you have to look up is that Australia is, doesn't exist. It's not real. I've never I'm been interested. there. I've never been there, so, so I, can, I can totally say that. So basically, what they like, all the criminals that the UK sent there, like years and years ago, they basically just like drove them off. It's a, it's a flat Earth theory. If you look at the flat Earth, it doesn't fit on a flat Earth. And so mm. I guess there's some place in South America that's actually Australia where they fly you to and here. pretend it's Australia. <laughs> uh, but there was a there was an Australian guy uh, I met overseas and uh, he walked into the talk one day wearing like an Australia isn't real shirt. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what, the, what the fuck is going on? So he read me onto this thing and it was absolutely incredible. It's, there's a deep dive out there like that's definitely worth worth your time. Is it is it funnier to say that Australia isn't real, or is it funnier to say that Australia is all upside down and they need to have like chains to keep them from falling? I think it's funnier <laughs> to just tell Australians it's a country in South America. I think that, that you just could actually say it's, it's off no, the flat you guys earth. Are Hispanic. 
<laughs> guys, I don't know why you guys talk. Just convince them that they talk English with the same accent that like a non-native Hispanic English. I've got a bunch See, of Australians doing my roofing right now. Here's what you need to say, Gio, is just when people ask you like where you moved to, say that you you now are like close to Australia. And when they're like, Oh, where do you live? Like Tasmania, like New Zealand, be like, No, I live in I live in the Caribbean. <laughs> what? And you're like, Yeah, like Australia is only like two hundred miles south of me. It's it's in the it's in South America. Yeah, when you get indoctrinated into the rich people elite club, they fucking give you all the real lore. It's written on some ancient <laughs> scrolls. They show you where all the tunnel entrances are. <laughs> they give you a special little like subdermal implant that if you press it, it just immediately calls like a made up three letter agency to kill everyone around you. <laughs> like you bite your tooth really hard and instead of a cyanide pill. Like everyone within like a three hundred yard radius is vaporized except for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just funny that like the uh, these the agents like go to go to these classes. Like, I think I wonder how many of them have gotten classes on Australia, either existing or being right side up. Just desensitized entirely, where like basically they're they're kind of like half on and half off the rails. You know, it's like undercover agents at this point. Honestly, I feel bad for a lot of these guys that like probably were like, oh, I'm going to join. I'm going to go to like the academy and, and enjoy the FBI for good. Like I want to serve my country. Like I want to help things. And then they just get assigned to monitor these online chats for just people are just memeing constantly. And they're just like, oh, this is fucking dumb. Just weaponized autism. Yeah. Like at the worst <laughs> degree. And even with that too, like I don't, I mean, I've said some crazy shit online and like most of my friends have too. And I could guarantee that like, it's just memes. Like, like I've, I've seen some of the craziest shit ever just typed out on online <laughs> and I like, will read it and be like, okay, that's kind of funny and just keep going. Cause like, I just automatically have like default, like this is a joke. And only when people start doubling down on it and really start talking about it, I'm like, oh, this guy's actually deranged. But uh, <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to have to approach. Like, you know, these people that just have such a weird sense of humor on the internet constantly just saying the most deranged things. Yeah, you need to go, like, follow That's them nice. and make sure they're not up to anything bad. And you're like, how, how would I know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just There's no way to know. Especially when they drop the uh, the most heinous thing you've ever written or read, and then they say, "But the, in Minecraft," and you're like, "Ah, shit! They got the they got the, <laughs> it's the loophole." Yeah, so this is all Minecraft, right? You're no, we're we're in, we're in battle bit mode now. Ooh, oh, shit! I thought we were in like the sphincter grenadier mode. The sphincter grenadier mode. You're a sphincter. You are a, you wake up. You're a cream spear grenadier. In battle bit. <laughs> Every is that time like you, in, die, you just respawn. It's like is that like day. in the movie? Is that like in the movie Man on Fire when the guy wakes up and there's a grenade up his ass? Ooh, yeah, spicy. I guess are you technically. Mm-hmm. So are you the one that puts the grenades up, or are you the one that takes the grenades? No comment. I feel like the grenadier is the one that throws the grenades. It has so to be. You, you have to be the placer. Yeah, you can't. It wouldn't make sense. You'd be the. You wouldn't be the grenadier. You'd be the grenadier. 
all that training unless, to go unless you're, smoke after the first grenade just isn't worth it. Unless you're launching grenades via your own sphincter, which indicates that they're already up there. Yeah, but then you're qual- you're classified under an artillery piece. I heard GBRS actually has a new like uh, grenade holder that, that fits a, a fair amount. The Goobers Group? Yeah. It's called the Wreck Them. <laughs> wreck Them? Yeah. With, without any of the vowels in the name. <laughs> And all lowercase letters. Yeah, mm-hmm. It has to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's Sponsored like by Fieldcraft Survival. Oh man, oh, I just nice. remembered that video where it's uh, it's like all all of them. It's like the GBRS and in, in Mike from Fieldcraft, and they're like they're doing the CQB weird chicken wing thing. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man. I just I just, I saw this video of that where it was like him going through. And then it cuts to this other guy doing it like through his house. And it's just like flashing the words like, thanks for the knowledge transfer. It's so <laughs> funny. It's so thanks funny. Thanks for the KT. No. <laughs> knowledge assimilated. Oh, yeah. Didn't his group get like, I feel like you and I have talked about this in the past. Didn't his group just get annihilated by trolls? Which one? Oh, yeah, the American contingency thing. Yeah. Well, so. Got annihilated by the FBI. Fuck the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> From my understanding, what happened was he started this thing, and uh, and a bunch of the people that joined, there was like, you know, the guys that were really, uh, really like solid dudes, like were about it and stuff. And it was like a pay to play kind of thing, too. And so. All these people that were joining to be part of this contingency group were just sending Mike Glover like a fuck ton of money. And what is this like tactical OnlyFans? Yeah. And then the majority of, of the uh of the people that joined were just like fat retards. Mm-hmm. And this is this is obviously all what I'm like hearing too. And uh I was like reading something about how uh like the like, like if you were part of it, then then you got to like go to the range like once every now and then with with and Mike would be there, and he was like giving guys instructions on stuff, and there was so many just blatant safety issues, and he just didn't even care, like he didn't even acknowledge it, and he seemed like very kind of half interested, and um, and then there was like a couple of safety issues too. I, would, I see all the memes too. I don't know like where the line gets blurred it's... between like meme and reality, where the guy got like got shot in the testicle or something, or like <laughs> it's really <laughs> shitty. It's really shitty that like a lot of people like you like you made the me or you mentioned the meme earlier about like the group of people that wanted to the wanted the Navy SEAL even though everyone else was way more qualified to give like a the seminar. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how many people will see like you know insert soft group here like special forces or you know Ranger Bat or fucking SEALs or you know whatever the fuck the Air Force has. And, <laughs> well, they, uh, and they, the- they they immediately take whatever they say is gospel and it's so sad because like like you no one they never stop to think like you know maybe maybe some fucking dumb motherfuckers just make it through selection or they just you know whatever the fuck the organizational selection is I mean, let me tell you the funniest thing <laughs> too, I mean, dude, we, we've talk. talked about this on how like when I was a junior, when I, before I joined the Marines, I was like, oh, yeah, all these guys are going to be solid. I go through boot camp. I'm like, these guys are fucking retards. Once, like, you know, I get to my unit and stuff, like, these guys are going to be pretty solid. I get there, 
And like, I think that the NCOs are fairly, you know, kind of whatever. Um, and I'm like, okay, once I get to that point, like, you know, I'll be good. And then you get there and you're like, oh, all the other NCOs are dumb and they don't know what's going on. They're just not making it known that they don't know what's going on. And then like, you start getting all like, you know, you start idolizing the next level and you're like, okay, when I get there, it'll finally be good. And you get there and you realize it's not, it's not the case. Like me and Pete have talked about this too. I'm like, you know, you're in one part and then you're like, oh, okay, once I get to this, once I pass this selection, I get to this part, like everybody there's going to be locked down. You get there and you're like, oh, there's still retards. There is nowhere I could possibly go higher. This is it. This is the apex of warfare. And you're telling me that one out of every four of these dudes is still retarded? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, the grass is... It, People always want to think the grass is greener on the other side, and it's it's not. Like it's just a different shade of green, and sometimes that green is a little bit more like it's, it's better for what it's you want to do at the time. But, yeah, but I mean, grass dies, man. Fuck. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen those lawn care videos where they spray paint the grass? <laughs> that's, I mean, Fuck. you want to talk you want to talk about the military in a nutshell, right there. That's that. <laughs> spray paint the grass. <laughs> Look Don't at this shit. Been fuck. Dead for decades. That's why that's why they never want you to walk on the grass. Yeah, the paint will <laughs> stick to your feet. Me, You're me gonna track the paint inside. Get off the grass. Me engineering turf that is made specifically to have all sorts of little deformities to look like grass. <laughs> I need it to look like real grass, but it's sounds like a multi million dollar government contract. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Well it's Sponsored it's like Raytheon. <laughs> to your point though, like back to what i was saying like the people that really pride themselves i'm like oh look at all this stuff i have and all these things i train and like you know skills that i have and i've never been in the military like they're still taking a lot of military classes and you know like for me is is like a calm guy like i i understand antenna theory like i understand military radios but if i'm gonna teach people a class on uh like DMR radios and, and a lot of civilian side things. Like I need to sit down and I need to really study it because it's not something that I know. And like, I've talked to dudes that are, you know, 18 echoes, like the, uh, the like SF radio guys. And they need to focus a lot on like breaching classes and CQB classes and, and like all these other classes and stuff too. They can't really like hone in on their craft as much as, as somebody who's like, a fucking ham radio nerd who spends all of his waking free time thinking about ham radios and you know that guy that is just some old weird boomer that re is really fascinated by radios is probably going to know a lot more than me or that 18 echo or you know whatever other calm guy well they're the the true subject matter expert i mean at, at the end of the day you can have all the knowledge you can have the best training you can have the the best gear you can do everything right and in a shitty situation, you can get zipped up, like, and like <laughs> become a, a really expensive loot drop. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to kind of get the point across to dudes with that too. Like, um, so, well, so what, what was that ambush in in Africa? Like Tongo, the Niger Tongo? ambush, Tongo, yeah. Tongo, yeah, yeah, it was in 2017. Well, I mean, yeah. shit, you've got fucking. No matter what, fuck. I was having this discussion with someone in the comments something i think it was the lucas bakken post the other day where he was talking about the um as a civilian like it's unfortunate but you're just not ever gonna have 
the like the option of taking like a month straight off to go to a fucking school to go like Sephardic or some shit. Like that's just not available to you because you're a regular person with a fucking job and life. And anyways, I think I was talking to someone and they're like, okay, well, you know, a competition shooter. And I'm not, I know people are going to take this out of context. and They're going to say I'm disparaging competition shooting, which is completely wrong. But um, they were like, oh, a competition shooter could mop the floor with a lot of cops and soldiers and this and that. And I'm like, I agree with that. Like, I, I, I agree, but unfortunately, wars are not only fought by one fucking dude dueling another fucking dude. It's not Achilles versus Hector. This is, uh, you know, whichever side can bring mass to bear, it, it sucks, but you can have the most elite fucking unit. And if they're just surrounded by a group fucking four times their size, it's going to be nasty. Like it's, yeah, I mean, look at what happened to, like, what was it, the Azov Battalion in Mariupol? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was just brutal. Um, like, it's, it's one of those principles of warfare that everyone likes to forget because it's not really, like, a, a strength of the United States has been, like, massing forces. You always hear about the Chinese hordes. Well, I mean, as much as, it, as fucked as it is to say, I mean, Korea isn't reunified under the well, South Korean government because the Chinese were able to mass a bunch of fucking people. We've also been living in this weird paradigm of like the GWAT over the past what twenty two oh, yeah. years. Oh yeah, where, everyone's like, everyone's brain is still on counterinsurgency mode. You're gonna go out for a few hours, come back, get some hot chow, you know, take a shower, sleep in your bunk. You know, your gear. We're you know we were talking about this earlier too. Like your gear rips, so you just you know swap it out with another one. Like um, there. there what happens when, when you've got blisters on your feet and you haven't slept in a day and you're hungry and you're caked in mud and all this other stuff? I mean, there's still like, I you think take you're them see vitamins. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we have to, we have to look back to history. What did they do? Oh, they just took drugs. Wow. That's I mean, how like, they fight wars. I think you're going to see a lot of people really poopy. Like obviously in Minecraft. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, when I'm on my two day long Minecraft binge, that I yeah. do once a year. So when it when are we when are we going home? You know, like yeah, you're, uh, you're not. <laughs> oh, when it's done. Yeah. Well, well, that's even apparent. Like when you just go out for a training weekend and like things start to get shitty, right? Like the weather isn't that great, or or the uh, the plan goes to shit. Like every plan ever goes, and you know you got to adjust and you got to walk a little bit further than you thought, and your feet got to get a little bit more wet, and like people start to bitch, and it's like, well, every all of us are obligated to be back at work on Monday. Or at least the majority are to where we're structuring the entire thing around that. Like we are for sure going to get back to our vehicles to drive back by Sunday afternoon by any means possible. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. guys are, are getting shitty when they know, like when they're, the end is so close in sight, even if, even if Friday night, like you get there after, you know, you drive straight from work, get there. Everybody else is already there. You hop out of your vehicle and you just start running from there until Sunday. Um, you know, it's like, wise, even dude, if it happens right the, off the rip, it's like you, you only need to go one full day where it's kind of shitty, and then like it's that why, goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like you got to give dudes a cause, right? Like yeah. you got to give them incentive, and that goes back to pay. Mm-hmm. It goes all. It's all back to money. It's crazy Always. how it's crazy how so many dudes ignore the one thing that no matter how much they want to say it doesn't. It does govern your fucking life pretty heavily. Like it's not like money goes fucking away the moment a war starts. If anything, it becomes ten times more important. 
because now you've got three or four more things you need to ration that pittance for. Well, I think that that's too why, you know, the kind of the point that I had made where like, you know, you could do training that revolves around like you leaving from work and then going and doing what you need to do and then being back for work the next day. Um, I think that that would be the case for a lot of guys if something were to happen because like industry as a whole is not going to stop like with a flip of the switch. Like electricity isn't going to turn off. All Your town once. is still going to need to harvest food to fucking eat. Yeah, like you're still going to have – It's not going away. You're still going to have most industries that aren't running. I think that a lot of them are going to suffer – and like you might get hours cut and a lot of these these fat uh jobs are going to get cut to where it's only like the core you know essentials so y- you might be out of work if you do something that's not like a very key industry kind of thing um but at the end of the day like you're probably still going to have a job so revolving around that kind of goes the other thing too is like even if you, know, you don't have a job you're still going to have a routine yeah. Well, everybody wants fucking... to be on the Marshall side of the house. You know, it's oh, like yeah. even super cool is going being... to sleep at a normal time and not doing that. Well, sleeping in your oh, own man. bed and setting up a whole auxiliary network and running, you know, a medical uh, under like underground network, and you know, being able to do the logistics and everything like that. It turns, I mean, it like... turns out showing up to the hospital, fighting against the Minecraftian dictatorship. That controls the hospital. It turns out showing up with gunshot wounds isn't a fucking <laughs> smart move. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the Marshall side of the house is so small comparatively, but yet that's 99% of... What's well, sexy? Focus. I mean, that's just what it is. It's sexy. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something I've thought about, too. Is everyone's like, holding a hammer, and so everything has to be a nail. They just end up nailing each other. Yeah. <laughs> you are Sphincter Musketeers. <laughs> 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 that's something i thought about too though not the sphincter musketeer part but the I uh, thought about that. your grandma yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no like if if there's an actual conflict going on and you're like some sort of insurgent or militia or whatever the fuck you want to call it and you just show up to the hospital in like uniform or like you know dudes and kit or that are clearly like have been in a fight drop you off and leave and you just have gunshot wounds and like tourniquets strapped to you and shit like like what happens like how long does it take for somebody to come in and start questioning you and like it's not gonna take long it's not gonna take long newsflash guys most hospitals in the u.s have at least one or two law enforcement officers but i mean most hospitals are required to fucking notify law enforcement for like certain injuries up to and including gunshot wounds the hard truth, though, is that, you know, if it's life or death, that person, like, you might just have to bite that bullet and let yourself get rolled up. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, we, you know, we look at recent conflicts. Uh, I mean, even back, you know, the past 50, 60 years, you're close enough to the next level of, of care so that if you get injured in a battle space, like, you just got to get out and you're basically going to be fine. Like, what happens when you're in a situation where, like, you take a shot in the box or get a round through the leg, like, bro, you don't have the infrastructure more than likely to, to walk that off. No, yeah. they're going to airlift me to launch stool, brother. Launch stool has <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but, um, so I think, that, so I think there's reading, a lot to think about. Dude. So I've been reading a lot of history too. And this is where, this is kind of the mindset. A lot of guys going to get to is uh, you got to make, 
lemonade out of lemons. So there was this frontiersman, Simon Kenton, right? And he was like Billy Badass when the you know when the Ohio and Kentucky frontier was opening up. Obviously in the U.S. right after the during and after the Revolutionary War, this dude was out there. Well, he got captured by Indians at some point, and they fucking tortured him for months. They would, like which kind? Like daughter feathers? Clearly feathers. <laughs> All right, just but, dude, these motherfuckers. You never know what the six are. They would to make them. They, they were would, recording. Dude, this dude had like the sickest. <laughs> Screaming this... world star. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this dude, this dude had the sickest fucking like uh, nickname. They called him Kutathoha, which is the condemned one. And it's like, like who the fuck? Anyways, besides his name, he was captured and held. They they decided that he was such an affront. Like, he was a demon to the fucking natives. So they took him from village to village and made him run this gauntlet where he was getting beat to shit. Well, it comes to find out that this dude started learning where all these villages were. And so, like, a lot of them were unknown to the white man. And he eventually, by surviving all of the torture and because of his clout, got released. He got traded to the British, who then saw how barbaric he was being treated, and the British released. Like, they took him to, like, a really shitty prison, and he just escaped. This dude went right back. To his obviously friendly like communities in the Ohio River Valley, and he's like, "Hey, look, I, I've just been tortured for the past year, but I know where all of their fucking camps are, so we can map them all out here. Like, we just got a fuck ton of intel because this dude got captured. And while unlikely it is if your homie gets shot in the fucking you know gets shot in the chest and he has to get dropped off at the hospital to survive." You know, there is a, there is some sort of way that he could kind of redeem it, theoretically. Making lemonade out of lemons. Pretty much. It's just, well, it's, you have to be fucking, you got to be a hard motherfucker to do that. I mean, you think about that, and then you think about, like, uh, you know, nowadays with your phone and, and just how much stuff people are notating and, and all that. Like, I think that that actually brings up a really good idea to have some sort of contingency plan. Like, okay, if somebody does need to go to the hospital like we're going to strip them of of all possible intel their phone everything um maybe maybe even go as far as having you know full sets of normal clothes and try to change people to what extent you can they're like, gonna the problem is is you would you would have to in my opinion you'd have to juggle the idea of there's some stuff i'm not going to be able to hide yeah, 100%. Like, like, you're not going to be able to hide the gunshot fucking residue on his face and hands. Well, not only that, carbon. but but yeah. you, you, you have to figure least... out to what extent. Like, like if, if, you, if you have it set up to where, like, okay, we're going to take his phone, we're going to take any sort of documents that are in pockets, like, like uh, you know, fucking notebooks or whatever that, that he stores in, in a pocket, going to change him, even if it's just, like, pants or shirt or something like that to make it less obvious or or not have like uniform things or even if you're like we can't change them because you know spinal injuries or whatever like strip all fucking patches strip any identifiers yeah completely uh sterilize like what they're what they're wearing and, and sterilize them of any potential intel that'll indicate where they're at and all that so that way when when they end up getting talked to because they have gunshot wounds and all this shit. Like they have a cover story and all this stuff. And, and I don't know like how well that would work if they're all on drugs and stuff to, 
Oops. do whatever. Like, I don't know, I'm not a medical person. It might be, they might, yeah. But I mean, you try your best. Great. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten, it's, it's just a, gotten yeah, into civilian mentoring candidates. Yeah, we've gotten into civilian mentoring candidates. This is uh, <laughs> some serious, like, no, 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 we're gonna hypnotize this motherfucker. He's really gonna fight for us. It's like the plot to like two Call of Duties. Oh man, Mason, right? Wasn't that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those black ops. <laughs> oh damn, throwback. Yeah, he killed. He killed JFK. Yeah, he was part of the elite Sphincter Musketeer Battalion. <laughs> he pulled yeah. out the grenades. And then he killed JFK. So his head exploded. It wasn't a Carcano rifle. It was a fucking grenade. Just launched so out of the It was a 40 millimeter grenade. And it just didn't, it was so close that it didn't arm yet. So it just lopped off his head. Dude, that was the most rewarding thing ever in Modern Warfare 2. Or like Call of Duty and you'd shoot somebody directly with a... with with a 40 mic mic and just like you'd see the little uh the little logo in the corner of like who killed who with what and you just see like the little 40 millimeter grenade and you're like yeah direct hit i don't know now i gotta watch like noob tube compilations from 2008 oh man i want to wonder what the resolution is on those <laughs> 144p for the hd one hell yeah <laughs> but your brain remembers that it's 4K for some reason. Yeah, you're like, your oh man, everything's perfect. That's like I can't imagine like when PS1 came out and people are used to like Sega and shit, and they're like, wow, these Dude, graphics look, look reviews, amazing. And now if you played it, you just get a raging headache. <laughs> if you look at reviews for shit back then, like old animation or like old video games and shit like that, dudes will really sit there with a straight fucking face as part of their job as a reviewer and say. This is so realistic, and it's like the it's just like three or four polygons put into just, a fucking just like shape. It. It's just yeah. pong. Like, it's a game of pong, and they're like, "This is the most realistic game I've ever played." You can see the tennis players. Yeah, dude, look at that. that's Roger Federer right there. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? That's a dot. They're playing Dig Dug, and they're like, "Yeah, I really thought I was in the tunnels." Understand? Oh, I crave the tunnels. It's just like like Vietnamese simulator. I feel like this has had some of the most thought-provoking and profound like conversations out of any of the podcasts we've done so far. And then we <laughs> and then we had to whip out the sphincter musketeer. I, it's yeah. a good it's a good segue. It is. I think that that needs to be part of everything now. Well, that's a so that's too. a vibe check that people need to pass. What be a sphincter musketeer? Well, it's I mean, my new challenge in passing the field. Oh, that was yesterday, you bitch. <laughs> it's grenadier today. Yeah. <laughs> and then you shoot him straight out with a 40 with a noob grenade. <laughs> yeah. I, we're, we're really getting these battle plans. See, this is stuff I don't need to think about anymore. Like, it's just deliberately done without me having to think. Compliments my grandmother. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is what battle planning is all about. All right, I think uh, I think that we've had enough uh, retardation for a night. I think oh, that's God. enough. Any any final thoughts from either of you guys? Yeah, I thought. Oh, pay your okay. fucking men. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna lot. say pay your taxes. I was gonna be like, oh, what? No. Dude, been, uh, dude, the place I'm at is the place you go so you don't pay taxes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, pay pay your men, pay your men, and definitely, uh, you know, don't start nothing if you don't have a solution for after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, I'm sure that you've gotten it. I'm sure that both of you guys probably got something similar, like in the army. Like if, if you come up to somebody and you just are like, Hey, this is a problem. 
and you bring it up to somebody and you're that's above you they'll be like okay what's your coa like what's your course of action how are you going to fix it and you're just like i didn't think that far and they're like exactly you should come back when you figured it out you fucking plebeian yeah <laughs> they always say it in the most demeaning way too like it can't, it can't, it, yeah it can't just be like a nice like, like hey i'm having this problem if you do this again <laughs> hey i'm having this problem oh, okay what do you want to do about it i don't know okay go figure it out and come back it's always like you fucking idiot you're wasting my time stop like it's always the worst thing i'm sorry sergeant oh so now i'm a sorry sergeant roger <laughs> oh god oh <laughs> that, yeah. that's like uh did, did you guys have the the pricky five joke yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I already knew them all before I got there. So they tried getting me with an exhaust sample, and I just stared at them. Yeah, I knew uh, about like the Humvee keys and stuff. I didn't know. I did not know about the Perky Five though. Well, the yeah. problem the problem with Humvee keys is it is a thing because in the at least in our motor pools, we'd always put like a fucking locked like wire, like steel cable around the steering wheel, so it wouldn't fucking move. So you oh. did need a key to get the fucking Humvee because you had to so like, I- do the master lock on it. Back in back in the day, man, it's like so. I'm bragged. There's a place called Area J. It's a training area, and uh, one of the things we'd do is like, go hey, go get the keys for Area J. There's no fucking keys. It's it's a bunch of woods. Well, apparently there is some super obscure gate way out on the back that nobody ever uses. Wait, what? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you did what? Anyway, there's a gate way out on the back, and we sent this one dude, and he somehow came back with a key, and we're like, what the fuck is this for? He's like, it's for Area J. And we're like, bullshit. It's not. You just made that up. And we smoked the fuck out of this. <laughs> we ha- we hazed the shit out of him. Turns out there's a gate somewhere in Area J. And the key was for it. So he was totally right. But never let him know. How that. do you find that? No How clue. Do you, get that? Do you go to range control? Yeah, he went to range control. Fucking crackhead. <laughs> That's so funny. That's smart, though. I would be so pissed if I was that guy. <laughs> I did what you asked. I, I, I would, I would try to figure out some way to leverage it. Be like, yeah. I'll tell you what: if we go to this gate and this doesn't open the gate, you can smoke me twice as hard as you're going to before. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then just watch everybody's mind get fucking sphincter Look, musketeered when they when we say, open up the gate. Saying, if you're, if you're, if I'm right, I get to shove a grenade up your sphincter, <laughs> and then you're gonna get noob tube by it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm if I'm right, I get a. Uh, what, what what do they used to do? Uh, like in World War Two, they just like promote people to like officer in the field. A brevet. Like battlefield promotions. Yeah, yeah, like a, a battlefield commission. Like if I'm right, I get a battlefield commission. <laughs> like, all right, if sure. Right, Fucking idiot. <laughs> Well, that's like a hit the wood line and drop tops. You know, offense. Drop tops and beat the fuck out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, I appreciate you coming on too. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys. man. It was for sure. Fun. We'll do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ramirez last mag making count.